Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. Before you dive into this episode, here's a quick introduction to the structure of the show. In each season of Coach to Coach, a new guest coach will come on the show to demonstrate a range of coaching tools and strategies. The first episode will offer you an introduction to the guest coach. Then I'll coach the guest, and they'll coach me for the next six episodes, and always on real topics and issues we're dealing with in our own lives. Each season will end with a debrief episode where we'll talk about how the season went and offer any updates on the topics covered in earlier episodes. It might make the most sense to start each season in the beginning and listen to the episodes in order. This season, I'm delighted to introduce you to Dr. Katie Peplin. Katie specializes in working with graduate students and offers them a community and network to support their needs and help them to live whole lives while pursuing their degrees. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am really good, and I am looking forward to debriefing our time together over the course of this first ever season of Coach to Coach. Yes. Yes, I knew I was excited because I wrote it in my calendar with three exclamation points. <laughs> so, that is a good sign. Yeah, I, I feel excited. like this season I got like an extra color in your calendar and I got some exclamation points. So that seems like it's maybe yes. a yeah. good sign. <laughs> so for um, folks who are listening, um, Katie and I were just saying to each other, we've never done a debrief episode on the show before because it's the first season. But what we wanted to do to close out our season of coaching together was talk a little bit about some of the techniques that we used and also give some updates on some of the topics from the season. So um, where do you want to dive in, Katie? Oh, gosh. Why don't... Let's do updates first, and then we can kind of zoom out. Okay, like topical updates? Yeah, topical updates. Okay. So we started the season with me coaching you on this concept of getting to 80% and needing to finish. And you had a bunch of stuff you were trying to finish. And I think that continued throughout the season. So to give us an update, have you finished things? Are you still kind of struggling in this area? What does this look like? Um, I would say that I'm 80% finished. Um, but I think one of the important, so I did get some of like the big projects out and I did get, um, some clarity. I think the most important thing is that I got some clarity around the fact that sometimes when things stall at that point, it's because they're not aligned and it's not what I meant to be kind of working on at that time. And so some things are finished and out in the public. And then some things are sort of in my, what I call my B-sides folder, like, things that are partial drafts but they're not really ready or aligned and kind of moving in this way Mm -hmm. and so I am still pausing at the 80% mark I would say and it's it's probably still the same combination of kind of fear and and exhaustion of the kind of product cycle but it feels less like an indictment of my work ethic and more of just a natural stopping point in my creative process Mm -hmm. that I can leverage as like a point of evaluation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of a big shift. Yes. Yes. And I think that what was really important for me was reframing my goal was not to finish everything a hundred percent as soon as I can, but 
to work with my natural rhythms and then kind of release any shame that I had about that sort of stopping point and use it productively, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's less trying to change what I'm naturally going to do in any creative process and more about saying, well, if there's going to be this pause anyway, how can we use it in a way that feels nourishing as opposed to how can we use this as a chance to beat up on ourselves? That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then you coached me. Yes. And it was around the topic of evening routines and potentially yoga, building yeah. yoga into my evening routine. I have 100% not built yoga into my evening routine. <laughs> People may be like, what is all this about the power of coaching? Nothing. What's going on here? But you're not, you're not doing this change. Um, but similar to you, I had some kind of aha moments around this and particularly, um, we did this session early in the fall, if I remember correctly. We did. Yeah. And it was before my travel season had started. Once my travel season started, it was so disruptive and it continues. Um, I'm actually leaving as we record this in a few days for more travel. Um, and what I realized was. I, and actually this was through another tool that I've been using. I've mentioned it in a couple other places. I've been using a tool called power sheets. And I've been tracking the number of nights I get to bed by 9 p.m. And I was really not being consistent about that. But I was still getting up super early and I felt like I was kind of burning the candle at both ends. And it was not doing strenuous things in the evening. It was kind of just staying up later with my partner or watching something on television or just like taking my time, you know, like getting to bed. Yeah. But I started to get more strict about that. And so I, I've slowly kind of added more structure into that evening routine just around in particular when it needs to end so that I can go to bed and make sure I'm getting enough sleep. And that I've been able to be a lot more consistent with once I, it's like one of those things where, and I don't think we even discussed this very much, but I hadn't recognized that that was part of the problem was that I was not being structured enough and I was losing sleep because of it and I needed to, to get to bed earlier. So that's a shift that I've made. And then the other thing that's happened um, is I've done an interesting shift in my own coaching practice to doing more embodied work with my clients, mm -hmm. not yoga to be clear, yeah. but there've been several sessions where we've done a tool that I just, I'm sure it's a thing that people do. I, I have not, encountered it, but it's so basic that I'm sure other people are doing it. That's basically just like putting your hand on your heart and doing some deep breathing and just, you know, coming into the space in a way that's kind of calming. And, um, it's been a really interesting thing to incorporate into my practice and not something that I normally would have done, but mm -hmm. I've just had clients that have come into sessions really just very frenzied, like all over the place, really in a difficult kind of emotional space. And so we just started there and that has also been something that, so it's, it's not tied to the evening routine. It's not tied to yeah. the yoga piece, but it is tied to this conversation we had about unfolding right? and how I can unfold myself, but also help my clients unfold. So I feel like that's something that came out of that, even though it right. wasn't directly connected. Yes. We, I call that process dropping in like dropping into my calm center is how I've been taught it. And I love it. I use it all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like our coaching together, yeah. there was a lot of talk around that stuff, even if we weren't doing it in the sessions. Right. 
and the idea of being embodied and unfolding and all those kinds of things. And um, so, yeah, it absolutely impacted kind of how I was coming into those sessions with my clients and also a lot more about how I was paying attention because, and we're kind of getting into the technique part now, but that may just happen Um, about when you always ask the question of how are you landing? I started paying a lot more attention to how my clients were landing in the session. I didn't necessarily ask them how they were landing, but I would kind of sense what it was their emotional state. And if I needed to slow them down a little bit, I would take the actions to do that early in the session to try to let them come into it in a way that felt slower, that they could kind of really be impacted by what we were talking about. So, um, yeah, that was helpful. Good. That was helpful. Yeah. And I'm glad you're getting sleep. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. 100% me too. Yeah. I've been very careful and even some evenings going to bed at like seven 30, like, I mean, if I needed it, I was really listening. I was absolutely listening to my body. Okay. Then we had a session where I coached you and we talked about marketing blocks and kind of thinking about marketing for your business. Where's that sitting with you right now? Um, it is as it ever is in a state of kind of continual experimentation. (laughs) Um, but I think the biggest change, and I was thinking about this this morning as I was working out, I have a lot of deep thoughts while I'm working out. I should be focusing on my form probably, but (laughs) it's a chance for me to kind of tune in and think about other things. But I was thinking about marketing and it dawned on me as I was reflecting on that call that one of my, one of the ways in which the values of my business and my attempts to broaden my audience can intersect is in things like right now when we're recording this, it's the middle of Acrimo. Um, and I throw like a big month long party basically. And it's, it's not a small amount of work for me. I run a Slack space. I do twice weekly emails. I manage a bunch of sheets and I do it all for free. And I realized as my like mailing list was growing and growing and growing because more and more people (laughs) were signing up as part of this, that I could use it. I could reconfigure how I was thinking about that instead of just as a service that I'm offering to kind of celebrate this month and give back to people who might not be able to work with me in any other conditions Two, this is this. And it's also a chance to get my name out there Mm -hmm. and it's also a chance. And so I don't feel nearly as much resistance to the idea of like putting a block at the bottom of those weekly newsletters. It's like for more about my offerings do here (laughs) or like being able to think about this as, you know, I'm, I am doing this for free and you can get all of the features of it for free, but you can also get to know me and my style really intimately this month. And I am allowed to, it feels authentic to me in the fir- for the first time to be able to think about that as a way of generating like really warm leads. Okay. So I want to affirm you in this so much because so ACRIMO for what people, if people aren't familiar with what that is, it's academic writing month, which is modeled after um, national novel writing month, which also happens in November every year. And the idea is to just get a bunch of writing done during the month. And a lot of academics push back on this month because they're like, this is the craziest month of the year for a lot of people with travel and there's all these other things going on. We're tired. And every time I see you post about this on Twitter and these other spaces, 
I am like celebrating the fact that you have the energy to do this. Like it is such a powerful thing for you to show up in the month of November as a coach and support person when everyone else is like depleted. And there is such a boost that comes from that. And I have not had a chance to tell you this yet, but every time I see it, I am like cheering for you that I'm like, you go, I I don't care if it takes you all year to build up the energy to do that November push. (laughs) Like it is such a powerful thing, I think. And I think it shows up even more powerfully because people are tired and it's a support that they really do need in that month to do that kind of work and to have that final push. Yes. And I think that it's been this is the first year that it's really, I did this last year as well. And this year it really clicked that um, I could use this as a chance to showcase my values as a coach. And so if you look at different, there's, there's a lot of different flavors of coaches and mine is definitely not the right 500 words a day or die model. That's Mm -hmm. never been my values. Um, So it's been a really great exercise for me to say, okay, I want to build an accountability sheet. How can I build one that is framed in a way that I could find it in a pile of other accountability sheets and know exactly that this one is mine? What language can I use to make this feel a hundred percent in line with who I am as a coach? And I've had people that have been like, I followed you for months and I always thought that you were too soft or like too woo, or I needed somebody that was like a lot of discipline. And then you gave this webinar about (laughs) squeezing things in or restarting or being resilient. And I realized that I've been, I've been resisting your values. I've been resisting your message and I didn't need to be. And I was like, that's interesting. Welcome to the fold. You can get a lot of work done without like beating yourself into efficiency. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so, people come to coaching cause they're like, I want tough love. I want someone to like, tell me yes. I have to do these things. And I'm always like, well, then I'm not the coach for you because that's right. not my brand of coaching. Yes. Yes. It's not mine either. And I think that's become abundantly clear throughout this season. Um, but it's been, it's been really helpful for me to realize, okay, like I can grow my list in a way that doesn't feel like it's and because it comes from me and because it is so like value centered what I'm doing it doesn't I'm tired like I will 100% own up to the fact that it's November 9th and I am tired mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have more to go and that I also have family coming in for Thanksgiving and I've got conferences and I've got all sorts of other stuff going on like it's a very much a practice what I preach can I show up um, and do it? But because it feels aligned, it doesn't feel like a burden. Mm -hmm. It feels like a challenge. And that distinction feels really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I feel like this is one of the strongest ways you show up for your community when you do this. And I was paying attention last year too. I didn't know you as well last year when you were doing this. Um, but I, at this, I had the same feeling. I was like, I am so impressed that she's able to do this in November because as a business owner, I know what it takes to do the constant social to do that. I mean, like, I know, I know what it, what it takes to do it. And I'm so impressed by it. So thank you. Good job. People are really liking it. I forgot to go live on Instagram on Wednesday. Like I said, I was going to, but (laughs) you can be kind to yourself about that. Yeah. I'm allowed to forget one Wednesday. It's fine. So that is awesome. Okay. That is awesome. Okay. So then you uh, coached me around my retreat preparations. Yes. This was the next thing that we talked about. And um, the retreat did happen. 
it was super helpful for me to root it around my values, which is something we talked about in the session that I wasn't, I think, expecting to, to do. Um, it ended up being so you forecasted so well that I was like, not going to be able to do everything I wanted to do. And, and actually I wanted to circle back to this because you had brought up this concept of like a minimum viable product. And because I, if, to remind people, if you haven't listened to the episode lately, it was about working on my website basically. And I wanted to build two websites, one for my new kind of, um, uh, home base of a website and then another one for this coach training that I was working on. And what ended up happening was I spent the entire week pretty much on one website. I was not able to, it just took forever for me to do it. And, um, what I ended up doing later on in the season to kind of save myself, uh, a lot of time and work was I did a minimal viable product for the coach training website. And I just embedded it on my main site instead of creating a whole other thing. I was thinking of you so much when I made that decision because I was like, she was totally right. I wasn't ready to hear it. Like in that moment, I was still in the moment of like, I can do all the things and I'm going to try to do all the things. Um, but when I made that decision, I was like, yep, that was Katie Peplin telling me that I needed to like pull back and think about all the, all the options of what I could be doing here. And, um, it came to pass that I, I did that. So you can see my new website. It is fully functioning. Uh, we will put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it is drkatylinder.com or you can go to drkatylinder.com backslash training and see the coach training information. Um, but that was the other piece we talked about that, that came to pass that was really helpful was, um, what can I do before the retreat to prepare myself to, to land kind of appropriately in that space. And, uh, one of the things was to kind of familiarize myself with the brand elements because I was incorporating all the new brand stuff. And so I did that. I very intentionally played and kind of tried to make that work. And it did make it a much smoother process when I got into the retreat. Um, but it was absolutely a lesson in reasonable expectations of what I can do, um, in a time period. And also the difference between how much I can write during a time like that and how much I can web design during a time like that. And they are very different things. And one I have way more experience in than the other. And so that was also just a helpful remembrance of, right. you know, sometimes you will not be able to do everything you want to do. So yes, I have fond memories of that coaching session and where it led. Yes. I remember like cheering your Instagram stories when you're like, I'm done for the day. And I was like, yes, <laughs> she's resting. It's working. Oh, I needed it. I really needed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I definitely had a, a kind of fun emotional breakdown moment on like day two where I was like, this is not going to work. And I, I mean, I was literally brought to tears. It was so frustrating. Like the technical difficulties I was having and we had to do some stuff like on the technical back end to make it work. And, um, it all worked out. But it was so funny to remember that I think you and I had talked about, you had asked something about like challenges or something about, and I was like, they're always fine. Creative retreats are great. I love them. They're, I never have any problems. And so I was also thinking about you during that moment. And yeah. I was like, she just foreshadowed like everything that was going to happen that I was like, so overly confident about this whole situation. Um, so yeah, for people who listen to that episode and they were like, you are way overly confident about this. You were totally right. We were totally 100% right. But it did all work out in the end, and I feel very good about it. And I learned a good lesson, many yeah. lessons during that process. And I think that sometimes I have to go into stuff 
like expecting one thing and get the get something else out of it in order to kind of learn those lessons. So I was open to the lesson learning. Yeah. And I just want to affirm like how much self like fortitude it takes <laughs> to realize that some things are not in your control in terms of like web backend or like elements right. not working and realizing that if it all it took to get through that block was determination, you would have undone it. You know what I mean? Like if all you needed to do was work hard to resolve the server issue or whatever was happening, like you would have been able to do that. And I think it's really hard sometimes when you're in the moment and you have these plans and you're like, I just need this to work to realize that like no amount of you working past your limits is going to undo technical difficulties right <laughs> or like a flight cancellation or anything else and right sometimes like you just have to like let it let it go and that can be almost worse than not getting it done sometimes mm -hmm. so i would yes. just like to say that that is tough stuff <laughs> it is tough stuff well and, and we've talked about i think there's been a nice theme in this season about creativity and, and how you kind of show up for your creativity and also how you document your creativity. And I was honest in my Instagram stories of this. I was like, this is hard. I had a moment. Like <laughs> I am struggling to do this and, and I'm having to readjust my expectations and how much can I really get done in this week? And, you know, but I, I also think that um, it has been so fun for me this season to talk about these aspects of our creativity, which are very different. You and I show up very differently in this. Um, but it is so important to kind of what we do in our businesses and what we do in our coaching. So it was fun. I'm glad we did that session. It was super helpful in preparing me for that time and space. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Then I coached you yes. around getting some stability in your scheduling in this very particular season that you're thinking yes. of. And if I remember right, this was something we were coaching on like September Eve or something. I mean, it was like we were launching yeah. into like the fall. Um, so how did this go for you? What's this looking like for you right now? 80%. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's a theme. It's a theme. Um, I will a hundred percent admit that when I went into the schedule, it was part of me. And I think this happens a lot and we can touch more about this later is that we're also drawn to coaches that live out and emulate parts of ourselves that we would like to build up. And I know that I was like, I just want, I can't commit to doing something every day for six months like Katie can do. <laughs> but like, maybe I can commit to a weekly schedule. And so I think that this, that conversation and sort of the way that my life unfolded after that was a really good reminder that it's impossible to take what works for someone else and transplant it wholesale into your life without adjusting. Yes, 100%. And so it was like, I do, I found a sweet spot where I have like, and we did talk about sort of like thinking about it in terms of blocks and like half day blocks and, and um, different themes around those blocks. And I have a post-it note that I'm showing the people who are not seeing the video, but like Katie can see. <laughs> like, it's a very beautiful post-it note, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful post-it note. Um, and I, I have committed and do tend to work on where like Tuesdays, I just do all of my marketing because it's really tough for me. And then I always get, uh, I go to my favorite workout class and then I get a Starbucks latte. 
And so it's a very good, like hard thing, body reward, mind reward cocktail. So I look forward to Tuesdays now, not because I look forward to doing all of my marketing, but because I look forward to feeling accomplished after I'm done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do absolutely use my Mondays as buffer days to kind of like catch up and start the week on the right foot. And I a hundred percent am committing to doing Thursdays is like all of my admin day. Um, I am doing less creative play than I wanted to. Um, and I knew that this was a danger for putting it on Friday afternoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I think that when I was making the schedule, I was like, well, on Fridays, I'm usually pretty depleted. And I didn't make, and so in my, my initial draft of the schedule, I was like, well, I'm usually feeling depleted. So it'll be a good day to kind of like play. And then <laughs> as I got farther and farther into the fall, I realized that me doing creative work when I'm depleted is a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have thrown out more vision board type things on Friday afternoons (laughs) because I, it's not a good match between my general resources at that time of the week and the stuff that I'm asking myself to do. Um, So I am constantly kind of moving things around and making it, um, and now it's like a slash, it's creative play if I want it, but it's also nap if I need it mm-hmm. <laughs> because a Friday afternoon nap is a really good way for me to kind of like put a capstone on the week mm-hmm. and give myself a little bit of the rest that I'm usually needing by a Friday. I love so, that. Yeah. So I would a hundred percent say that I have not yet been able to overcome my block. I desperately want to be a some, someone who can have like a thousand day streak of doing something. Um, and I don't have that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not stable. It just means that I am more in tune with my rhythms, which are not thousand day streak. No, no error rhythms. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, it's not the way that it's going to work for me. Yeah. So well, and I, I should also say as someone who does the streaks, maybe not a thousand days, but streaks, sometimes I look at other people and I'm like, I wish I didn't feel like I had to do this in a regimented way. I wish I, I wish I could have more flexibility. Like, I think we all look to other people and say, oh, that would be nice if I wasn't, you know, exactly the person who I am who can't do those yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but also I can recognize the strength of the streaks and, you know, the benefit of that. But it is so important to... I remember so distinctly, I grew up in a household. My mother is very crafty. She's a knitter. She's a quilter. She's a crocheter. She does all kinds of things. She can just like look at it and do it. I mean, like she's incredible. She cooks. I mean, like she has so many different kinds of things that she does that are creative. And I tried for years. I bought the bamboo knitting needles. I had the jewelry making kit. I was trying to do the scrapbooking. I am not creative in those ways. It is just not who I am. And I had to wake up to that. And when I had this moment of like embracing, and it's what my blog has been called, The Academic Creative. And I was like, oh, I'm creative as a writer. Like writing is creative. Being, building a business is creative. Like I can be creative in the ways that work for me. It's not going to be through knitting. It's not going to be through sewing my own clothes. Like it is not going to be that. Yeah. But do I follow a bunch of people on Instagram who do all those things? And I'm like, oh, that's so nice that you can do that. And you can knit and you can like sew your own clothes. And I mean, like, I'm super invested in that, but it is not who I am. 
Right. And I remember very distinctly having this moment, like looking at these knitting needles and being like, who are you trying to be? This is not you. You have to let this go. And I did. I, yeah. I have let go of those expectations. Like I, I no longer go to Michael's and like buy things to make myself feel like maybe I'll be a crafty person when I am not that person. Right. Yeah. And it's, I, an, it's an adult moment, I think. It is an adult moment. And I think that it's, it's always hard when you realize, like, for me, one of the things that's hard is that, like, I have a chronic illness. So the streak thing feels like a way that if I could just do it, I wouldn't be sick anymore. Mm. <laughs> like, I would be able to transcend what my body is. And, like, if I just found the right magic daily routine... I'd be able to control my flares and I would always be able to walk 10,000 steps a day or whatever thing I've magically fixated on. And I think realizing that this streak is a way for me to contain my anxiety about the fact that my life is unpredictable. Yeah. As much as it's about the value that's underneath it. And so I try very hard to say, okay, like today I need to move today. I try and move every day. And some days that's like a really hard workout at bar. And some days I'm attempting to run a 5k for the eighth time in the last three years. It's my constant. Anyone who's followed me knows that like I'm constantly endeavoring to run a 5k. <laughs> I'm getting closer. I did two miles the other day. So I was like, yes. Congratulations. Feels, yeah. Oh, good. Um, but it doesn't have to be the same every day for me to still live out my values. Like yeah, I yeah. can, I can adjust the way that those values show up for me hour to hour if I need to mm-hmm. and not lose the value that the value isn't in the action. It's in the motivation. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> that leads us really well into the next session, yeah. which was you helping me do a values check-in. Yeah. Um, and this actually leads into a topic that you and I were talking about, Katie, before we hit record, which was how open we chose to be in these sessions, knowing that the world was listening potentially, <laughs> or, you know, the 16 people who are downloading coach to coach, what, whichever number I actually haven't looked at the stats. So I probably oh. should do that. I have not been paying attention, but we've been getting some fun, um, comments on Twitter and things. So thank yes. you to the people yeah, who people are listening. Yeah, people have been reaching out to me privately too. Yeah, so I'm glad. I'm glad for whoever is listening. But we didn't know who would be listening. And so we made choices um, and had kind of a joint awareness that obviously this is a, a recording that other people will listen to. And so it is not the same as a private coaching session. And so in many of our conversations, um, there was maybe an awareness that one or the both of us had about what was really being discussed, um, but that we were choosing to kind of set some boundaries within the recording itself. And this values check-in 100% fell into that category. Um, And I can now share, because of when this is being released, that during that period, I was on the job market and um, have since accepted a job. And I will be transitioning positions. And if you want to know more about that, I'm not going to discuss it here. I will totally be discussing it in other places. So come, come find my newsletter, come find my blog, come find my other podcast. But um, this coaching session was very important for me <laughs> because I was really trying to navigate a difficult period 
for anyone who's been on the job market. It is mm-hmm. a roller coaster. You are so distracted. And I was trying so hard to stay rooted in my values when I was going through this process. And um, this was absolutely about that for me. Like this was a very helpful session to bring me back to what I needed to be considering. And also to help me understand the flexibility of values, which is why I connected it to what you were just saying, Katie, about we can live these things out in a lot of different ways. And it will change as we age, as our jobs change, as our priorities change, as our families change, you know, all these things. Um, And it was like just the message I needed to hear, like the direction that session went was what I needed in that moment. Good. Yeah. Any small bit of comfort in the uncertainty of job change is a blessing to us all. Yes. It is. And I hope it was helpful to listeners too, to wherever they were landing coming into that episode. Um, It was probably my favorite of the ones that we recorded. Um, I really liked it too. I loved it. Yeah. It it gave me, like when I re-listened to it, when I was editing it, I just had goosebumps. I was like, this is a powerful session. And this, I mean, I want to thank you for it because it was just so helpful. I don't know if it culminated. It was like, well, we finally got to know each other well enough that we could kind of culminate in the session. Um, I don't know that that's true. I think it was just the topic and the approach that you took with it. And, um, yeah, I'd be very curious how our listeners felt about it too, because I found it incredibly helpful. Yeah. Well, and I just want to say that it takes a lot of bravery, even in a non-publicly released session about your values to communicate those to anybody else (laughs) or even to yourself. Sometimes I know that it's work that I have been doing in three or four different spaces for a decade. And I still have to work hard to open myself up enough to be able to say like, this is what I think is important. And this is the way I'm making decisions. And this is the way that I am shaping how I show up in the world. Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are bedrock questions. Those are foundation questions. <laughs> and there, um, it takes a lot of internal fire and fortitude to even say them, much less say them in a podcast <laughs> that's going to be released out to everybody. Well, so. there were a couple times, Katie, and I can't remember. I feel like that, that episode might have been one of them. It might have been the retreat prep, but you brought me back to radical self-trust. Like I wasn't always in that space. And you're like, well, there is radical self-trust. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be practicing radical self-trust. And I feel like that was, that might've been one of the episodes where you kind of mentioned it. And I, it's a good example. And this will kind of maybe shift us into talking about some of the technique stuff. It's a good example of how coaching is often about being in your client's shoes. You are really trying to place yourself where they are so that you can ask the right questions that help them to go where they need to go. And reminders like that of, you know, you know that I value that, you know that I'm trying to practice that. And you needed to remind me of like, this is your thing. What, what, how does that impact what you're doing now? And it was like, oh yeah, that is something that I want to be thinking about. And when we're in the midst of very challenging life circumstances, whatever they may be, and the job search in many cases, it's all relative. Um, So let's be clear on that. Um, But you forget you forget how to be rooted in your values. You forget how to land in the way you want to land because you're just distracted. 
and, yeah. or you're dealing with anxiety or you have other things that you're kind of really stressed about. So it's a good technique to kind of bring a client back and settle them back in to, but what about this other thing that you think is important? Yeah. So I appreciated that. It was a, a very helpful reminder in those spaces. Yeah. The image that I see in my mind, a lot of times when I'm working with clients who are struggling and kind of all of the ways that that shows up is being able to hold for them, that which their arms are too tired to carry in exactly. that particular moment. And it's very hard. I think anybody who's listening knows that it's very hard to have an awareness of your big foundational values in every minute of every day. We can't, you can't go about that when you're doing like your grocery shopping and your laundry. And hopefully you've set up a, a life and a place to be so that your laundry feels connected. But there are sometimes when we're really working that it's just, it's really heavy to carry those things. And so sometimes it's just nice to have someone that says, I will hold this for you while you see what parts of it you're ready to pick back up again. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the values shift and sometimes they're different, but you just, you can't always hold it. And I think that's one of the most important jobs a coach can have is to hold the things that are very important for a person who's worried they might drop them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember too, that was the session where you brought in some tarot examples, which were also helpful for me. Um, and I don't practice tarot. I know several people who do. Um, and I respect it as a practice. And I think it, that was a helpful thing too, to just be kind of picking up, you know, if you're holding the thing that I'm, my arms are too tired to carry at that moment, you're holding it maybe from a different angle or yeah. you're, you're handing it back to me at a different angle and saying, well, what about this? Or what about that? And I do think that that is an incredibly powerful thing that coaching can offer is, you know, you're standing in your client's shoes, but you're not your client. Mm -mm. So you are going to be kind of thinking about things slightly differently. You are going to kind of prod and poke in a, a particular direction that may or may not be helpful depending on, you know, what, what that person needs. But that slight difference is so productive in many of the sessions I've done. And it was very productive in that session. Good. Yeah. I think that coaches can also offer, even if it's not a framework that you personally live in, like tarot cards are not for everybody. Um, tarot practice isn't for everybody, but it is another language to think through some pretty common universal experiences. So in the same way that it's sometimes helpful to hear a foreign word, <laughs> like, oh, well, in this language, this is called this, or, you know, we have a word for that in German. Or kind of, Germans always have a word for that. Um, that it's just, it's useful sometimes to hear how it sounds in another language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Katie, I'm curious what, if anything, you noticed about your own techniques and practices as a coach going a through coach. this process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me as I've been listening back is this balance of that all coaches are doing between, and I think the retreat example is a really good one. Um, there's a balance between I don't want to ever tell a client that they can't do something or that something's not going to happen or it's not going to work. But I also feel that it's important for coaches to help build a structure in case the plan doesn't come the way the plan has been planned. 
And so I think it's one of the skills that I'm constantly working on and trying to be conscious of is how, because this happens a lot of times with my clients in my practice, because graduate students have big plans. You know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write this chapter in two weeks, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And there's a balance between how do I affirm that this is a plan and it's motivating you? And how do we make a structure so that plan could happen? Also, how do I come in and also say, you know, from my experience where I'm sitting, this might not be the most realistic way forward, or this might not be the most supported way forward. Or what would happen if I told you we could completely change the plan? Or what would happen if this happened? Um, to sort of think through some of those what ifs while not discouraging that sense of internal, this is what I want to do, this was what gets me excited. Yes. I think that there is this balance of supportiveness mm -hmm. and sometimes poking a little yeah, and pushing. And even if you're just raising it so that it's on their minds, because, because like what I described was like, you raised it and I pretty, I pretty quickly rejected it. I was like, no, nope, it'll be fine. Let's yeah. move on to something else that feels productive. Um, but then I absolutely thought of that in the moment of the situation. So mm -hmm. even though we didn't come up with a plan or we didn't necessarily, yeah. you know, like there was enough seed planting there that for me it was like, Oh yes. I mean like this, this was an eventuality that did come to pass. And now, you know, what do I do, you know, in this moment? And I think that sometimes our jobs is to offer that kind of menu of possibility. Right. And, but the other piece of it is, and I think both of you and I had this situation in our coaching roles in the season was one of us would kind of direct in a certain way. And then the client would be like, Nope, let's not go that direction. And then we just had to shift yeah. gears and, I know I did that in episode one where I was like, I have an instinct. Can I share it? Here's my instinct. And you were like, nope, that's not really resonating with me. And I was like, okay, letting that go, moving on to something else. I mean, like coaching is about not having your own investment in the topic. And, and in training, I think about this as like, you coach the client, not the problem. Uh, this right. is what I've always heard is like you coach the client, not the problem. And if you get too invested in coaching the problem, then you're just trying to fix something yes. and you're not hearing the client. You're just focused on fixing the problem. And I think that both of us had moments where there was a clear problem that we were kind of trying to work on, but we were really trying to stay rooted in the client. And so we would kind of instinctually shift and then the client would say, nope. And then we would have to shift again. And it is such an important tool as a coach to be able to let that go and to not yes. be like, but wait a minute, I really think this is the solution. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter because if your client right. doesn't think it's the solution, who cares? I mean, like you have to just not be invested in your own kind of ego around what you think is yes. happening. Well, and I think that it's so important to realize that there's this really fine balance between giving a client a plan that they execute that's not theirs, it's yours, and you've just sort of laid it out for them and hope that they do it? Or are you working with your clients so that they've thought through enough of this problem and situation that they're gonna be able to handle however it flexes? And I will never, no matter how many sessions you and I do or how many sessions I do with another client, I'll never be able to have the full picture. I will never. That's just the reality of us being two separate people. And so I'm always going to defer to my client who says, that's just not a solution or this just isn't, this isn't path. That's not productive because 
who am I to say that they're wrong? Right. And in that moment, I think, and the, the retreat is such a good example of in that moment, that was not the time. Yeah. Maybe in the next session or in a few, you know, like that would have been the time. Um, but in that moment, it wasn't. But I still learned from it and I was still able to apply something from it later. Yeah. And this is the other thing we don't understand about what's going on with our clients is like the stuff we do in session shows up in all kinds of ways outside of the session, which is why it's so interesting to check in right. when you come to the next time to say, so where are you landing or what's going on? Because they may have had all kinds of aha moments that have come out of talking about whatever it was you talked about. And you need to kind of come back to that and resolve it a little bit and then figure out how to move on. And I think both of us had those experiences where it was like, okay, maybe in the moment we're not fully conscious of something that's happening. But then later on we're like, okay, yeah, that, that was actually something that's helpful. Well, and I think that it's just sort of the nature of these are pretty deep questions or they're touching really deep things. And you're not going to be able to see an entire situation unfold in a 45 minute coaching call. Yeah. You, it's just not possible. It's just not possible. And so I think it's one of the, the big skills that coaches have to learn is how can you still empower your client to feel like they're walking away with something, you know, tangible, directed, graspable, but also in many cases, there's no resolution. You know, the yeah. situation hasn't ended, the job hasn't happened, you know, so how do you balance between how do I make sure this feels useful for my client, but also it's not always as concrete as being able to say, well, we, we made a business plan or. Right. Well, and I think that's such an important thing for people listening to this season and thinking, well, not everything got tied up in a neat little bow. It doesn't. Like yeah. in coaching, it doesn't. And I mean, I've had a, a clients that I've coached around, for example, career transition who have not made a career transition in the time that we were coaching. Right. Um, and just the timing was not what it needed to be for that to happen. And they were still able to be kind of strengthened in what that would look like for them and to kind of have some tools to stay confident in that mode. Um, but we didn't see the result that they were hoping for. And that is just, how it works sometimes you you don't always get kind of that perfect alignment of timing with when a client can engage in the coaching process and i think that that really speaks to the coach the client not the problem because if you're if you're a coach and your goal is to solve these problems that your client has brought to you and the timing doesn't work out in such a way that that problem is solved it's really easy to feel like you didn't do a good job as a coach. Right. But if you've shifted towards, am I supporting this person in where they are right now, then that kind of unfolds backwards and forwards around that problem yeah. in a way that feels much more satisfying than, oh, my client didn't graduate or they didn't get that book published or they didn't get that job. Right. Okay, so we would be remiss if we did not mention your coaching superpower technique of metaphor, uh, which came up so many times um, yeah. this season in so many really impactful ways. And I think it offered, hopefully, a very cool set of um, examples to people who were listening and kind of wanting to hear different techniques. 
and we even talked about it, I think at one point that like, this is your superpower because it's, it's, you are just so natural about it and, and it's really powerful. Um, but it is a technique. I mean, it, it, is, it is absolutely a tool. And do you want to talk at all about kind of how you leverage that or when you choose to use it? Yeah. So I love metaphor and anyone who knows me knows that it's like that. And part of it is just that I have a very, let's put it gently. I have a brain that's not always lodged firmly in the reality of what's happening in front of me in the, the bodily plane. And so I am often, when I was like, the best way I can describe it is when I was a lifeguard growing up as like a, as a late teenager, I would have to sit and watch the pool. And obviously to keep myself like engaged, I'm watching the people, but I would also chew on what I called like question of the day. And so it would be like, okay, well, if the plagues were real, and all the water in this pool turned to blood, how would that change the emergency action plan? And I'm going through and seeing, and it's, I could go for hours thinking about what that would look like. And I've always had a kind of brain that worked in that way, that was like, well, what is this like? Or how is this structure working? Or what are the dynamics at play between the garden and the tree or kind of whatever? Um, I find it such a useful tool because it dislodges a client's center in their very meanness. Like <laughs> so many of us are like, well, I am unique and I am special and no one will ever understand this situation because I am in this place and this time. And so sometimes it's just really helpful to take them up and out of their, their thisness and into, okay, well, what if you were a tree or what if you were <laughs> like a boat or whatever other thousand metaphors that I use, because it helps to take it out of, I'm not criticizing you. I'm not thinking about you. We're looking at this dynamic and we're looking at it in another plane so we can see it more clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I found, you know, my, so you have this gift, Katie, of offering metaphor, uh, you know, in the moment and saying, you know, this is what this is making me think of, or how do you resonate with this particular metaphor? The other way that I have chosen to use this tool, because this is not as much of a superpower for me as it is for you, is to ask the client to identify yeah. a metaphor and to say, tell me how this feels. Because right. sometimes identifying the feelings is too much, but you can say, I feel like a boulder is on top of me. I feel, right. you know, like, or I feel like something, you know, and you can kind of show the metaphor that way. And then you can play with that metaphor and build yeah. on it and kind of try to identify how to shift it if it needs to be shifted and all those things. So this is a tool that I, I'm so glad it came up this season. I feel like it's a really foundational coaching tool and it is such a flexible tool in terms of how it can be utilized and where the metaphor can come from and how you can build on it and where it can go. Yes. And I think that speaking sort of a little bit to that, it doesn't have to work the same as every, like, my metaphors just ramble around in my brain all the time. And so they're very natural for me. It's how I think about things and how I relate with people. But I have known other like coaches and other clients who've used them mine come from like almost an unconscious place like I'm, it's not something that i'm actively thinking oh this client needs a metaphor right now what can i dig around it's just it's my natural way of relating but that doesn't mean that it can't be leveraged i think like you said like in other different more purposeful ways um and thinking about what how a client would describe it can be really useful and then continuing that metaphor because it becomes a shared language between you and a client and that can feel really powerful and really resonant. So this is, um, I have 
one client that we talk a lot about raccoons. <laughs> so, like, but that raccoon becomes a point of connection that is dislodged from the sort of very emotional specifics of this situation, but still can hold some of that that power. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that for other coaches, like there's a res if there's a metaphor that really works for your client, don't hesitate to bring it back and keep using it. Um, because it becomes part of this sort of shared coaching language that you share with that client. And it feels so personal because it is personal. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And this is something I, I have absolutely seen that play out over multiple sessions with some of my clients as well, where we have a metaphor, or we have just a way of defining something or naming yeah. it. And it, it really brings it full circle over time. Right. What other techniques or things do you want to talk about Katie that came up? As for me as a coach, um, yeah. or even if you saw me doing something as a client, either one doesn't really yes. matter. Well, I, I think one of the things that was really useful is that I know that in the beginning of our sessions, it was very important to me that like you filled out my pre-session checklist and I was like, here, how are you going? And then as I got more comfortable sort of with you and with how our sessions would go when I was in charge, I could let go of some of those tools. Mm. Um, but I think that it was really interesting for me to reflect on how those structures in the beginning helped make the boundaries of those early sessions feel pretty concrete so that I could focus on getting to know you um, and getting to know how you like to be coached and how you like to show up. Mm -hmm. And so there are some clients that I will still use those worksheets or those sort of those those standard kind of onboarding tools because they're so effective. And then there are other clients that you can let it sort of fall away because it's not, it's not how they like to show up. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really interesting. And I, I would guess I would be curious because I never really get to ask my clients, <laughs> like, did you miss them? Did you wish that they mm -hmm. kept going? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I guess I would say I always appreciate stuff like that because I am a reflective writer. Yes. So because I do the morning pages, which we talked about, and I have become so reliant on that, especially in this season of kind of change and transition for myself, that it offers an opportunity to just pause and be like, what right. am I thinking about? What is on my mind? What, yeah. what would be worth a coaching session? And I ask this question of my clients when they book with me, part of the booking process says, is there anything you want to tell me about what's on your mind right now in terms right. of what you might want to be talking about in this session? I leave it pretty open. Um, so I, I appreciate stuff like that. I, I hesitate to say like, you should always do it hundred percent of the time. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to, to put a projection of like what I enjoy on yeah. other clients because I, some people might not enjoy it, but I am the kind of person that always appreciates when someone asks me to pause and do a reflective prompt. I'm like, right. bring it. I, I mean, I'll do it hundred percent of the time because it's, it's just, we live in such a busy world, um, full of so many distractions that I think it's useful. So, um, and it's something that I had not done previously and I started to in, embed it into my practice when I automated my calendaring system. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have found it to be useful because then when I see that client sign up, I can just kind of glance through and be like, Oh, so this is kind of what you're dealing with right now. Um, right. and just it's, it's planted in the back of my mind kind of unconsciously and I can be thinking about it. Um, but the other piece I would say about this, because the other, so I, I should mention I'm recording season two of coach to coach right now with a different coach. 
and both of you have this practice of doing the pre um, forms. The other piece that I've always wanted was for, and this is a personal thing for me as a coach, is I don't want to come into a session with a predetermined idea of, oh, this is the problem I'm trying to solve. Right. Because then I get rooted in the problem and not the client. And as someone who also consults and coaches, my natural tendency is to fix the problem. So I actually have to be very conscious of being in the right headspace as a coach. Um, and it, it is a very conscious act for me. This is not true of all coaches. So this is like a very personal to me as a coach. But that is, I think, part of the reason I resisted doing yeah. that for a period of time is because it was actually more helpful for me to be spontaneously in the session hearing about what the client needed. But that doesn't mean that's the best for the client. So it, yeah. it, it's a helpful thing to consider just because I have my own hangups doesn't mean I shouldn't be providing a tool to the client that would help them to think through things. And then I just don't look at it or I look at it right before the session starts or whatever. Um, so that I'm still kind of giving them that reflective moment. Um, so all of those things are kind of going around in my head as you're asking that question. Yeah. And I think that one of the things is coaches, and this was something that I had to learn as a teacher, that if you have a question about the effectiveness of a tool, ask the person who's using the tool. Right. <laughs> and so I used to continually ask my students, did you like this worksheet? Did you think this was helpful? Would you like to see something more like this again? Mm -hmm. And I think that I sometimes forget that that's also an option with my clients. I can yeah. be like, hey, yeah, let's check in. How is this metric working for you? What do you wish was better? How can I tweak the system to meet your individual needs? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is very true. And I, this is actually um, forecasting a little bit of something that comes up in season two, which is I have been uh, incorporating a new tool into my own coaching practice that is kind of a, um, I don't know what to call it, kind of a CRM for clients, but it allows them to have a place to store documents, to write down their goals, to check in on their milestones, to write down next tasks. And I had been kind of managing all this through like Google Docs and various other places. And I, I am investing in a platform to do this in part because I'm doing it for my coach training. And um, I am absolutely checking in with my clients to, because it, it kind of works for some people and not for others. Like the way yeah. that it's structured, they're like, some people are like hundred percent in it. They love it. It's, it's perfect. Other people, I can see them kind of resisting it. And so I'm trying to kind of think through it's a convenience for me too to have them all in one spot, but it's not always going to be the perfect fit for people. So yes, I mean, I think that that anytime you implement something where you're like, I'm not sure what this is, how this is landing with everybody, you know, asking a few people and, and getting, feeling that out a little bit, I think is really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Anything else before we kind of wind down? Um, I guess the only thing that I keep thinking about as I land on these calls and it sort of touches back on something we were talking about in terms of like what we were choosing to disclose and not on the sessions is how both I can hear myself as a client really opening up by the last session. I've got like my tarot cards out and I'm talking about my crystals. <laughs> like, welcome, hi, I plan my stuff based on the moon. And it's opposed to my first session where I'm like, and I have some trouble sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, finishing my 80%. And I think it was a really good lesson for me, both as a coach to remember that rapport takes time Mm -hmm. And like joint comfort takes time. Um, but that also 
as a client that you're allowed to unfold at the pace that you feel comfortable to unfold in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that one of the things that's been really great for me this season is to see how over time you can build a rapport and still not touch every aspect of your life. Like there mm -hmm. are big parts of both of your and I personal lives, our professional lives that we haven't discussed. And that doesn't mean that the coaching work that we've done hasn't affected me in those ways. Mm -hmm. It just means that I didn't necessarily have to bring all of my, my bags, so to speak, <laughs> to every single session. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, that's so important. And it's especially important, I think, because and you kind of mentioned this earlier, your clients have lives that you don't know, you will never know. And they have, they also have histories that yeah. often don't come up in coaching because we don't focus a lot on the past. We focus a lot on the present and the future, but of course everybody's bringing their stuff to the sessions. And sometimes you can get instincts of something under the surface, but it doesn't matter to some extent. I mean, that's the thing that I've kind of come to realize is of course it matters to the client. I want to be kind of clear about what I'm saying here. Yeah. But in some cases, I think a coach can become curious and be like, tell me more details about the thing that you don't really need to know about in order to be an effective coach. Yes. Versus the kind of curiosity that's, I sense something under the surface. How is this landing with you? That's not me saying, tell me exactly about the thing. You know, like, I don't need to know all the details. And this is also true when I have a new client come, and this especially is true of academics. They love to contextualize. They love to tell stories. They want to be the expert and tell you all the stuff. And sometimes I have to stop them and say, I don't need to know all the stuff. Like, that's not my role. Yeah. That is a big difference from therapy, where maybe you do need to know the stuff in the context. But in coaching, you don't always have to know that. You can still coach around a particular issue or a client need without having all the details. And that is a helpful boundary setting thing for clients to know that they don't have to unload no. in order for you to be effective in a coaching relationship. Yes. And I think that one of the things that I really, I had to learn the hard way, and I think it's some of the experience that you can only get working with clients, is that I, there have been times where I have stopped sessions and said, you know, I just think that right now you're in a space where this isn't going to land and be helpful. When can we reschedule? Or emailing people ahead of time and saying, you know, I know that this has been a tough week for you in a particular way. If you don't feel ready to have this session, let me know and we'll reschedule. Um, as opposed to having a lot of experience in my own as like a, a client in therapy where you do want to land in those kind of volatile moments because your guard is down in some ways in coaching that's all often not the case mm -hmm. and so it's been very important for me as a coach to learn how to manage that boundary and say you know that sounds like a really difficult situation it's not the focus and I want to make sure that we're really focused on our objective for the session or right. you know I'm really sorry to hear that um, if you need to talk about that let's book another session because I think it's too much um, to handle in what the time we have left today when a yeah. client surprised, you know, unloads on you with 10 minutes left, but like their parent died or like some right. other. And well, this stuff happens. People it have lives. Happen. I mean, yeah. it's, it, and yeah. you do have this kind of intimate relationship with a coach that it gets confusing 
I think yes. for people who want to or need a space. And sometimes people come to coaching when really they do need therapy and you don't always realize that um, initially. And so there's referrals that happen. The other thing that this is making me think of though, Katie, is the importance of as a coach being in the right space to show up for your yes. clients because there were sessions and this happened more in, in recording um, season two than season one where I did reschedule and I was like, I, I am not in the right headspace to do this right now. Um, now I am very careful about doing that with my clients. Um, mm -hmm. I, you are, I mean, you are a client, but not a real client. I'm yes. putting air quotes. Um, we, we had an understanding of kind of what this, what this would be same with season two. Um, but I think that you have to build in that buffer to your schedule, to whatever it is that you might need, because you have to show up and be a certain way to be a coach. I mean, like, yes. and to effectively support a client through something. And when you're in a distracted headspace or something has happened in your life, it may not be possible for you to do that. So I think about it both ways, you know, how the client is showing up, but also how the coach is showing up. And it's not fair to the client if you are not going to be able to help them. Yes. And I think that one of the things that I had to work on was in the beginning, I was trying to do too many sessions. You know, I, I had three, four, five clients a day and I just, I couldn't, I would end the day on the floor full of everybody's voices in my head and I couldn't hear myself and I couldn't keep the voices straight. And I was taking like meticulous notes and like, to be clear, I don't think that my client work was suffering necessarily, but I was feeling the strain. Right. You were, of, yeah. So it has that. to give somewhere. Something has to give somewhere. Right. And so in order, um, the, when I moved to an automated calendar system, I put in a setting that was like no more than three of these a day or no more than six of these a week or kind of wherever you set that limit. Because I know that in the moment, if a client comes to me in like a, a moment of crisis or they need something quickly, it's very easy for me to overrun my own boundary and say, of course I'll meet with you in the morning or of course I'll meet with you at night. And to be clear, that, that stuff does sometimes happen, but it was very easy for me to not protect my own energy and space because I always felt like my client's needs were more important than what I needed to show up for them. Right. It's a real and thing. That, that is a constant volume knob that I am working with all the time. It mm -hmm. is not been a set it and forget it kind of setting in terms of what my load can be. Yeah. And I think that that's something that coaches are continually having to monitor because nobody's going to be checking in with you. Yeah. Well, Hopefully, I think yeah. The challenge... But. The challenge for me about that too is that coaching does give me energy. Mm. So when I do show up, even if I'm feeling a little depleted, if it's like a one-off, you know, after work or something like that, it's not the best time for me to coach, but I'm similar to you. I do it when I need to for a client's schedule. And um, I do get energized by that. I mean, this is why I coach because yeah. it does give me something um, kind of, I don't know, intangible, tangible with that energy. But at the same time, I, that's, that's the tension for me is like, I know I'm going to get some energy if I can come into this, but I also want to make sure that I'm not coming in from a kind of cup half, less than half full 
right place. You know, like I'm so depleted that I'm just really, I'm not going to be in the session with them. I'm going to have a hard time paying attention. I'm going to have a hard time focusing. I'm going to be distracted thinking about my own stuff. Like that is a real thing um, that coaches have to really wrestle with in terms of there. It is a lot of mental and emotional energy to be in someone else's shoes, to listen so deeply so that you are really trying to ask the right next question for them that will bring them clarity around a particular issue. And I think I would imagine a lot of people underestimate that until they're in it. And then they're like, Oh, okay. So I really do have to be paying attention. I mean, this is not, I don't know. You can't screw around with that. Like this is someone else's major life stuff that they're dealing with. Right. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways, and I too am like a reflective journaler. And one of the things that I've really taken away from this sort of season and this experience is that coaches need support Mm. in terms of, and I think it looks different for everybody and not every coach also needs a coach. (laughs) Although sometimes that's exactly the right tool, but it's been really helpful and useful for me to tune back into the fact that just because I support people in some ways doesn't mean that I am transcended the plane of needing support myself. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, they, they call it like, there's a term for it in tech and I'm not going to remember it right now, but basically it means like you have to eat your own food. (laughs) Like you have to, um, you have to be able to know when you yourself need to use that tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Katie, so, this, there's so many things. I feel I like know. we could, I mean, I'm watching the clock and I'm like, we could go on for another hour about this. Um, and I am feeling thankful because as we record this in like a week, Katie and I are going to see each other in person. We're going to be yes, in the same city. So exciting. I am super excited about that. I feel like um, it'll be a nice way for us to kind of close this out too. For sure. And um, I want to thank you. This was like totally a, a strange ask to be like, Katie, come <laughs> on a podcast with me and coach and you were so willing and I have enjoyed this season so much. It was yes, a perfect too. start to this project and I hope our listeners have also really enjoyed it. Um, stay tuned for season yes. two, which will come in probably about a month from when this episode drops. Um, and Katie, it's been a pleasure and a privilege. Yes. A pl- yes, an honor. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this first season of Coach to Coach. It's been so much fun. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coach to Coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatielinder.com slash coach. If you found this episode to be helpful, please take a moment to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts or recommend this episode to a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening.